Medic! Don't forget to check out our sponsors. Fuel the Machine Apparel is based on the idea of not just a brand, but a lifestyle. The crew at Fuel the Machine believes you have to take care of yourself before you can help others. Fuel the Machine Apparel is pro-health, pro-first responder, and pro-military. First responder owned and operated, and they are their own quality control. All their designs are created and printed in the USA. Remember, free shipping to the USA and to all military addresses. Fuel the Machine Apparel. Be the solution, not the problem. Go check out Fuel the Machine Apparel at www.fuelthemachineapparel.com. Medical Gear Outfitters, owned and operated by a paramedic with a mission to equip individuals with top quality supplies, training, and the mindset they need to empower themselves to respond in an emergency. Medical Gear Outfitters has the equipment and the training you need to be ready. Head over to www.medicalgearoutfitters.com to check out their selection of pre-made first aid kits and trauma kits. If you're looking for a Stop the Bleed kit, Medical Gear Outfitters has you covered. Do you want to build your own kit? Medical Gear Outfitters has the bags, pouches, and supplies you need to build a purpose-built kit to your own specification. Everything from an at-home family first aid kit for bumps, bruises, scrapes, and stings to the individual first aid kits for first responders, work kits, car kits, and larger kits for active violence or mass wounding events. You need something specific and you don't see it on the website? Contact Medical Gear Outfitters and let them help you get exactly what you need. Free shipping on all local orders. Use the link in the show notes for 10% off when you visit www.medicalgearoutfitters.com. Remember, you never know when you will be the first responder. Get the right gear and the right training. Medical Gear Outfitters. All right. So Chris with the Medica Podcast here, back for another episode. And uh, again, always lucky to have great interviewees on here. And today, super lucky again, uh, we're going international today. Uh, not too far international. Our friends to the north uh, in Canada, and I have Rachel Bailey. She is a primary care paramedic from Alberta, Canada, and she's going to kind of talk with me a little bit about uh, some of the similarities and difference between paramedics in Canada and the United States. So, Rachel, I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, Chris. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I'm an advanced care paramedic. Um, we did recently change our. Um, we called it EMT in the past, and now it's primary care paramedic is the same as EMT was. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's we'll get, let's get into the different levels in a little bit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in EMS, and you know what kind of drew you to it, and uh, we'll go from there. Sure. Um, yeah, I was always kind of interested in um, in being a paramedic and um, in being a first responder. Um, I was actually really scared to drive an ambulance at first. So I was working at a gym for five years and then I kind of just decided I would try to get over it. And I took my EMR course and loved it. So and then I got my, we have to have a class four license, which allows us to drive an ambulance here. And so I got that and actually driving an ambulance is a lot easier than I thought it was. Um, yeah. So then I just uh, kind of last minute applied to the advanced care paramedic program after I'd worked for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, here I am. And what are what's the the big differences between uh, the different levels from EMR through primary care to advanced care paramedic? So EMR is a three month like part time course. Um, it just it's basically advanced first aid and CPR. So it we it kind of allows us to like we can assist with people. Um, administering their own Ventolin or EpiPen, stuff like that, but doesn't really have a ton to the scope of practice. And there aren't very many jobs. Like really, it's just mostly transferring um, patients from one hospital to another that you can get hired on as an EMR. 
And then you can do some oil field stuff as well. And then our next level is the primary care paramedic program. So we call that PCP. It used to be referred to as EMT. That one I fast-tracked, so I did it over six months, but typically it's about a 10-month course. That has a practicum um, of four tours, usually minimum, um, on car. And then um, we kind of have, it's 50-50 pretty much. You can get a job. Really, I guess, over Alberta, it's, there's a lot more PCPs working than ACPs. And then, so usually it's a benefit to work for a couple of years in between um, PCP and ACP. And then, yeah, our advanced care paramedic program is two years and uh, it has a ton of practicum. So we go into the hospital, we do labor and delivery practicums. We go to the OR and we practice intubating and then we do... Um, like a total of like five months on the ambulance as well. So it's quite a bit of practicum as well as the rest of the courses that we require. And that's uh, that's a diploma. Uh, there is one college that has some extra courses and you can do a, get a degree in health sciences with that. So do a lot of, what's the, what's the preference as far as the diploma versus the degree? Cause that's always, that's a, always a big, uh, a big point of debate right now in the United States about, well, should the minimum be our associate's degree? Should the minimum be a bachelor's degree or is a certificate just as good? Yeah, I think eventually they're kind of looking to making it a degree that is required um, as an advanced care paramedic. But right now um, to get working on the ambulance on car as a full ACP, it really makes no difference whether you have the diploma or the degree. The degree would be more beneficial for anybody who's wanting to um, like get into management, stuff like that. They would probably be considered, well, they would be considered above anybody who has a diploma if they have a degree. So if they're wanting to kind of get off car and do some more office work kind of stuff, then that would be a benefit that way, as well as obviously switching into any other kind of education. It's a benefit to have a degree, but I don't know if that one is the same as, uh, like it's not, it's not equivalent to like a nursing degree, for example. I think there's more you can switch into at this point with a nursing degree. So is it more like uh, more like healthcare management type stuff? And exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, the business, like you were saying, the business type end of it. So do, do you guys get a maybe a change in pay with that? Like the people with the degrees get paid more? Or are you guys pretty, pretty um, I don't know, I guess pretty equal across the board, whether it's diploma, certificate, or degree? Yeah, for the most part, um, everybody pretty much gets gets paid the same. We all start kind of at the same pay, and then it's based on years of service. So then... Once, if you did kind of get off car and look at some of those other management positions, then your pay would be adjusted based on that. But um, if you're working the same as another advanced care paramedic who has a diploma, you'd be you'd be paid the same. And does does that have to do with the, like the national health care in Canada? Like, is is EMS a, like a I don't I don't want to say state run type entity, but like you've got you've got the different providences, right? Where you've got you know, Alberta is maybe different than Toronto. Yeah, it's, it's very different from province to province. Our scope of practice is different as well as like our, our education, like the whole, the whole process is quite different from, from province to province. So I really, I'm only really familiar with Alberta. I think Ontario is kind of similar to us. BC is quite different. I think in the East Coast, it's quite different as well. So 
Wow. And you said you were saying about the oil field paramedic thing like that when we were talking earlier, you made that sound like that was like, a, oh, it's a great that's a great starting job. And like for here, yeah. <laughs> here, that's one of those like, hey, you've been doing it for a while. Get one of the get one of the oil field jobs or an oil rig job. That's kind of like you've been yeah. doing it. And like we treat that as like remote paramedics where maybe a little bit of expanded scope of practice because you're doing health and wellness and maybe some sutures and maybe giving some yeah. medications <laughs> that you don't normally give. So what's that like? Right. That's, um, I mean, we consider it really just boring because I think everybody's so safe in our oil industry now, which is really good. But for us, it really just means we go and we sit and wait for somebody to get hurt and normally people don't. So depending on kind of, there's some clinic jobs and stuff like that. So you can end up kind of handing out some over the counter stuff a little bit more. If things do go badly in the oil field, it really, it is a big, it's a big deal. It's a big call and you are doing some more advanced stuff and you're kind of on your own a little bit more out there, which I mean, yeah, is really should be people who have a lot of experience if they're dealing with that, but it's just so few and far between. So really, yeah, it's kind of a starting point for a lot of, especially EMRs and PCPs. And then, yeah, as soon as you can get a job on car, that's where you want to be. <laughs> wow. It's funny. It's like almost the opposite here where you get burnout being on the ambulance and you're like, man, I'm going to go try and get that yeah. old job and I'm going to go do this or let's go do remote paramedic or something like that where it's a little out of the ordinary. So what's the transport time for like your oil fields? Like if you were, if something went bad, how long are you waiting for someone to come get your patient? It really depends on your location and what the nearest hospital to you is. Where I was working, I was out on a pipeline for a while um, and I was two hours into the bush. So I was like two hours before I saw main road. <laughs> so, and then we'd be, we'd be calling a ground ambulance or flying stars to a nearby location and then meeting up with them and they'd be transporting to an appropriate facility from there. Like we didn't really, we don't do a lot of transport technically. We just kind of get them off of the site. And now is that, and you're saying you can start that job as an EMR and that what you described, that sounds like Sounds a little bit like our EMT basic, um, being able to kind of assist patients with um, albuterol and things like that versus the primary care paramedic. And now were you out there as an advanced care paramedic? Um, I was, when I was doing it, I was a primary care paramedic. Um, I've done a little bit of clinic stuff. What's your scope of practice for that? Like, are you doing rapid sequence intubation and advanced pharmacology or no, not yet? No, as a primary care, um, we really, we have like ASA nitro, oxygen, Ventolin, Atrovent, a couple other medications like that. But um, none of, it's, it's a pretty basic scope. I mean, really, it's, it's all the essential life-saving stuff for the most part, but um, just none of the, yeah, none of the advanced pharmacology or anything like all right, that. So that sounds like our, our EMT basic. And then your, yeah. your EMR seems a little more expanded than ours. Wait, okay. And an advanced care paramedic would be our nationally registered type paramedic with a certificate or, or a degree. Okay. I got, I got you now. I got yeah. you. So again, so you're going to put the basic EMT in the oil field, two hours to the road with like just some basic stop the bleed and here's some aspirin. Yeah. Wow. wow. No experience. Yeah. Wow. That is, that is, that is pretty cool. Um, maybe I'm a little jealous, but I'm terrified. 
Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> so what about, so as far as your advanced care paramedic, what is your, what does your skill set really entail? Is it like RSI, all the, all the emergency yeah. drugs? And do you know of any, I mean, without, I didn't do, I'm, I'll be upfront. I didn't do a lot of research. Do you guys, yeah. do you guys have any different type of drugs that we might not use here in the States? Um, I'm, I don't know the comparison either. Um, we have a huge like I think we have over 50 medications that we give and we can give really with a doctor's orders or um, like if we're transporting from one facility to another, at that point we can run like blood and stuff like that too if it's already been started. So um, we're not very limited with our pharmacology, but we do have, we've got a lot of like cardiac meds. So we've got like atropine and um, adenosine and then we've got um, <clears throat> like our respiratory meds and yeah, we, I mean, there's so many I could list them, but it's, <laughs> it would take a long time. And now that does that change from that changes from like province to province too, right? Like based off of whatever, whoever, whatever the service kind of allows. Yeah, it does. Um, I think Alberta at this point is one of the only provinces that does RSIs, if I'm correct. So yeah, that allows us to use the paralytics and then we can intubate. Um, uh, yeah. And then we, I think everybody pretty much has like medaz and stuff like that for seizures and stuff. So, so what, what really got you into EMS? Like, you know, you, you said, Oh, I was scared to drive an ambulance. Like, I don't, it probably wasn't that like what, what kind of moved you toward healthcare or was it something you were doing before or what? Yeah. Um, I think my, well, my, my grandfather was a doctor. My mom was a nurse. So I was kind of always interested in healthcare anyways. And I uh, didn't really like being stuck in a hospital all the time. I didn't like the idea of that. So it kind of sounded like an exciting career where I didn't have to be in one place and every day would be a little different. So yeah, it was very different than I guess what I thought it was going to be. But I actually, I ended up like just loving it even more so than I thought I would. So um, yeah. And then I just kind of, I did get that experience as a primary care paramedic, which I think is really important, um, before moving on. And so, yeah, once I kind of was doing the advanced care paramedic, I kind of knew what I was getting into. So <laughs> that was good for the most part anyways. So that can you, do you have the ability to kind of go straight through from EMR to advanced care paramedic, or do they purposely kind of say, Oh no, no, take some time in your primary care paramedic do some of this work before you even consider finishing it up or moving on to uh, advanced care? Um, we have a couple schools that won't accept you unless you have some experience. Um, and then there's a couple other schools that do are either willing to, or we have one or two that do just generally, like it's just a whole program. It's like taking your nursing degree or whatever else. Um, <clears throat> and they just, they push you through the whole thing. In, in my experience, I think it's a huge benefit to go and get some experience because I think to be a really good advanced care paramedic, I think you need to be a really good primary care paramedic. And those um, basic life support skills are like having a really good foundation on those is super important because you don't want to be skipping steps and doing more when, you know, maybe less is a little bit more sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about what's the, so in Alberta, what's the call volume like? like you, I think earlier this week when we were trying to get all this planned up, uh, you, you had work scheduled and you were like, Oh, I'm just at the clinic and then they canceled work. So like, what are you, so you're not, so you're not always on an ambulance. Um, I just picked up a job at a clinic for a month just to kind of switch things up and I was a little bit bored. So I will definitely be just going back on car. I'm, I'm casual right now. So really 
I guess the ultimate goal is usually to get a full-time spot, but I just kind of dropped down to casual because I thought it would give me some more opportunity to do some traveling and stuff like that. So um, it's kind of nice to have that as an option for a couple of years. So I can kind of really like in the cities, we can pick up really as many shifts as we want most of the time. Like there's always shifts available. And if not ahead of time, there's always people who call in sick last minute. So I could work every single day if I wanted to, I'm sure. So is that a lot of, um, is that also, are you guys experiencing a shortage as well? Or is that just, just how the system is set up or you have a lot of open spots or you, or is it, you don't have a lot of providers? Uh, no, I think there's, um, I think it's the way that it's set up and we do have a lot of a lot of people who are casual for that reason. So they can just slot us in whenever the, like any full-timers call in sick or anything like that. It's pretty, pretty well managed most of the time. There's like times definitely when we're, we're a little bit short, but definitely in the bigger cities, like they, they hire a lot of people. So there's a lot of people working. I don't think we're very often not able to um, fill the ambulances. I think that's fairly rare. Yeah. And, and not, and again, far from it for me to get into political stuff, but I would imagine having everybody kind of have those casual positions and then free healthcare in Canada, it's not people going, I need a full-time spot. I really need the insurance. I need this. I need that. I need, I need the money that balances this out. I mean, I would think that maybe maybe lends to being how well it is managed and you know, able, you able to say, oh, I'm going to take some time off from the ambulance. I'm going to go do the clinic job. I want to do some traveling and, and versus people going, well, I got to work eight months and then I got to get enough, I got to get enough time off to be able to, you know, yeah. travel and stuff like that. And I think it's a little bit what our lifestyle is like, right? Like anybody who's got like a family with kids and stuff really does need health benefits and stuff like that. And it does make a difference. You know, if you've got a sick kid who needs a lot of prescriptions and stuff like that, like you, it does end up making quite a big difference. Um, if you do have benefits, you can also buy your own benefit package. So like I could, if I wanted to stay casual, but I wanted to have the benefits, then I would, I would be able to do that. I'm like taking a hit on my pension, which I can buy back in the future if I want to. So that would be kind of a big, bigger difference, I guess, of being casual versus full-time. But it is, I mean, healthcare is free here, which is great. Um, ambulance services are not free. So you still, you pay quite highly for an ambulance. Um, so we do have, um, unless your benefits cover that, we also have um, anybody who has like disability insurance that's covered. Um, our indigenous population um, is all covered for ambulances and then anybody over 65 is covered as well. So does that, does any of that lead to overuse, overworking of you guys? Or I mean, if you don't, if you don't have a shortage of medics, which is good, um, mm-hmm. but do you find that, and like here and again, not, not to draw total comparison, but now indigenous population, eh, it's not free. Um, but and it ends up that the taxpayers usually pick up the pick up the tap for that for people who Yeah. Pay. Yeah. And then how our how our insurance and our Medicare system works with that. Do you find that it's kind of used and abused or do you have long hospital waits, people using the hospital the hospital emergency department as their primary care physician or things like that? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of it falls to just our education on where an appropriate facility is to go when we do need to see a doctor. I think a lot of people don't aren't aware that you can make a, an appointment with your family doctor for certain things or go to like an urgent care. We have a lot of urgent care facilities here that can do kind of a little bit more basic stuff and get you in a little bit faster and stuff that doesn't require surgery and stuff like that. It can 
mostly go to an urgent care. And then when it is an actual emergency and you do need to call an ambulance and you do need to go to a hospital, I think there's a lot of, just a lack of education on, um, on all of that, which makes a difference. And then I think a lot of it is people just taking advantage of, like, I mean, we'll, we'll have people just call cause they need a ride somewhere, <laughs> like stuff like that. So, um, and I think that's everywhere and that's just kind of, that's kind of part of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you hundred percent there. Uh, well, that's cool. So, um, what's, is there anything that like your organization is doing kind of special or something that kind of excites you about it? Like right now that maybe other paramedic services aren't doing it right now? I guess I, I don't, I, I'm not necessarily familiar with kind of what's going on everywhere else to compare very well. But one thing that we do have that's new is um, we got new automatic stretchers, which is super nice. So they actually self-load in the ambulance and load out and then they like raise and lower with just like pressing a button. Press the button, trying to save that back health the right there. Oh, it has made a huge difference on um, just back injuries. So that's that's been really exciting. I think we're getting a new supraglottic airway um, that's a little bit easier for either doctors or paramedics to pass a tube through, but we don't have those yet. So I don't know a ton about those either. I haven't done any training for them. And other than that, we have, um, we're starting um, paramedic response units are fairly new here anyways. I know they have them elsewhere in the province, but that's been kind of interesting. So they basically, we have a paramedic in an SUV and they can just kind of their place throughout the city and they can kind of get places a little bit faster sometimes than us. So they can start a little bit of patient care before we get there to transport. So that's been really helpful in certain situations and you just kind of have an extra person there in other situations, but it's really awesome on big calls. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's always a good job. Like, like paramedic fly, you call it paramedic fly car vehicles. So do you guys, what are your, what is your crew composition on your ambulances? Do you guys ride EMR and advanced care paramedic or two advanced care paramedics, advanced care paramedic, primary care? How do you guys do it? It's always, so in um, Calgary where I work, it's always, there's always an ALS truck. So all of our emergency response ambulances have one advanced care paramedic. And then we can either be partnered with another advanced care paramedic or a primary care paramedic. Our EMRs do like some IFT stuff. So just transferring from hospital to hospital. So we have either an EMR with a PCP or a PCP with an ACP or two PCPs on any of our transfer trucks. Cool. Yeah. So you, you, you kind of took that stair-step approach where you were in EMR for a while and then primary for a while and now advanced care. So was there anything that you think you weren't prepared for as a new, and for you, I'll have to change it up as a new advanced care <laughs> paramedic? Um, I think um, the, just the role, switching roles was um, just kind of a, a learning curve. And I kind of knew that I would be in a leadership role and they did prepare me for that. Um, what I wasn't prepared for was when I'm in that leadership role with a primary care paramedic who's worked for 20 years, <laughs> they have significantly more experience than I do. So that's kind of been very humbling at times. Um, and it's just kind of been, um, it's been good learning to just kind of like, it, it still is my responsibility and it still is my job to like be the leader and take the call if I need to. But um, yeah, it's just been, it's really showed me just how to, how important teamwork is, I guess. And uh, just 
you know, experience really does make a, a big difference, I think, in our job. And regardless of our scope of practice, like somebody with a lot of experiences, they know a lot. So being able to utilize that is, um, is awesome. That's great. So along the teamwork end of it, were you able to maybe find a mentor in one of those like 20 year advanced care providers that could kind of show you the ropes or? Um, honestly, the biggest, I guess, role model that I have is, uh, was my, uh, advanced care paramedic, my final practicum. I was with a paramedic who's worked for over 20 years and, um, she's just awesome. She just, she stays on top of everything and she's just really passionate and just really great at her job. And, uh, yeah, she just, she was a big inspiration and, um, she taught me a ton and she's somebody that I still called and been like, Hey, like, what do you think about this? Like, this is how this call went. And she's just, yeah, she's awesome. Cause she's somebody that I can still call and, um, go over things with, and she's a wealth of knowledge. So that's always, always good to be able to have that resource, whether it's even better when it's another, another medic or, you know, cause I've asked that question before and I'm like, oh, it doesn't have to be an EMS. It, you know, it could be your uncle, whatever. Totally. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But I mean, that, that's absolutely great. So did, did she maybe give you any advice? Like, what did she ever, what was the best piece of EMS advice she ever gave you? If she did. <laughs> she did. She gave me tons of advice, I guess. Um, the, one of the things that I learned from her was just um, th- like the importance of communication and just like go do your assessment, figure out if somebody's sick or not sick and then make a plan and tell everybody what the plan is so that everybody knows like what we're doing. Like how are we getting this person to the ambulance and like what is our treatment plan going to be? And I think that's important to um, learn that communication with your partner. And I think a lot of us forget to communicate that with our patients and our patients need to know what's going on too. And I think a lot of the time we leave them out of the loop. So it's been, that was really good thing that I learned was just kind of take a step back, make a plan, tell everybody what the plan is and um, yeah, just communicate. Absolutely. You know, fantastic. Get everybody on the same page. So nobody's surprised and, you know, assigning roles and things like that. Just, just like we taught, just like we taught you in school, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So what would, if so you roll, roll reverse now, if you're the mentor and you're working with maybe a primary care paramedic or an EMR on their first day, like what, what would your advice be? I think just um, really having a good attitude is super important. Um, just going in and just being teachable and willing to take constructive criticism. And if there's something you don't know, or you make a mistake, like that's totally okay. Go home, study it. Don't make the same mistake again. Um, and just, yeah, being able to ask for help and talk about kind of what's going on and, and just not being too serious and having fun. Cause really it's a, it's a fun career and laughing is a super important part of it. I think. I could not agree more. Don't, don't take it too seriously and, you know, yeah. make some, get, some, get have some fun. Have some fun while you're at work. There's a lot of people who think you Absolutely. should, but uh, I, disagree. Yeah. I disagree. I disagree. I, I, have a, yeah. I have a blast when I'm on the, on the ambulance. Yeah, um, I definitely do too. <laughs> what do you, what do you, and your partner makes that a lot easier too. I mean, Absolutely. go on and on about that too. So what do you do? What do you do to de- decompress on your days off? Um, well, I am fortunate enough to live uh, very close to the mountains. So I do a lot of hiking. I have a little dog. So she comes hiking with me and uh, I spend a lot of time with her. And I think dogs are huge. They're amazing to decompress with. And I just, I have a lot of friends who are in the field and out of the field. And I think it's important to have both. I think it's good to be able to talk to people who kind of get it. And then it's, it's good to kind of be 
brought back to reality a little bit. Remember, not every day is a worst case scenario. So um, yeah, I spent a lot of time with my friends and my family as well. Yeah, we we push that a lot at the school to say, I mean, I always see it on a lot of the Facebook paramedic boards where, oh, what should I do for a side job? I'm like, nothing involving EMS. Go do something. Yeah, totally. Else. Go <laughs> hang out with people who aren't in EMS. Don't let it define you. And Absolutely. Don't, don't, work, yeah, don't work for ambulance jobs. And, you know. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's awesome. So do you, do you have like a, do you have like a, pre-shift ritual or anything you do to kind of get yourself psyched up when you do have to go back to work? Well, I'm usually running a little bit late. I've usually woken up to like my seven snooze. <laughs> I'm usually running out the door. I'm not very prepared. So um, then on my way to work, I usually, um, I actually pray. I've said the same prayer like every day um, that I've ever worked on an ambulance. And that's just like for safety and wisdom and patience and uh, just to learn and um, to just not be given more than I can handle. And then I play some pump up music. <laughs> what's, what's the, what's the playlist? What's your playlist for the pump up music? Oh, it switches. Does it? Um, okay, good. Oh yeah. Definitely though, if I'm lost, like just some classic old nineties would be <laughs> the way to go. You can't listen to Backstreet Boys and not be in a good mood. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they're on my playlist, but uh, no, <laughs> that's good stuff though. I'll, I'll go with that. I'll give. I'll give you the nineties. I'll, I'll go. I'm, old, I'm, yeah. a little, I'm a little older, so I'll take the eighties too. Yeah. I'm an eighties yeah, kid. I'm usually a country girl, but I don't know. Country's a little serious sometimes. So I don't know. That's off limits on in in my car. So is right. it? Oh hey, no, yeah. Listen, what, whatever works though, right? Whatever works. That's good. Um, <clears throat> so do you have a dream EMS job? Is there an ultimate goal or is it to get out of EMS down the road, teach or whatever? Yeah, I don't know. I guess this, this is kind of it. This was my dream job. So I think um, just kind of mastering it right now, I think it's important to kind of just um, get a good um, couple years in, um, get some experience. And then um, definitely down the road, um, we've got a lot of specialty teams that I could um, consider applying for or um, teaching in the future, being a preceptor would be awesome. I, yeah, right now I'm just kind of happy where I'm at. Cool. That's great. Well, that's, that's good. So besides, I, I had written on here, what's next for paramedic Rachel Bailey? Um, but it sounds like you got it pretty, uh, pretty well, pretty well planned out, man. And I, uh, I wish you all the luck in the world. You sound, you sound like, you. you sound like every other paramedic I talk to. Like they, <laughs> they want to learn, they want to do well, they want to pass it on. They want to precept. Um, you yeah, know, they don't want to take it the job too seriously. Um, they've had good mentors, man. I'm, I'm. That's why I'm happy to talk to all these different people for the podcast. And I hear it, and I go, eh, maybe people are bored of hearing the same thing. But I think when I hear it, I hear, wow, man, everybody's the same. And people, I, I ultimately, yeah. people get into this job because they want to help, um, and they mm -hmm. want to, they want to pass it on to like the next generation of uh, pre-hospital providers. And it, it's good to hear the enthusiasm in your voice and the positivity in your voice. So I really appreciate you coming on to talk to me. Thank you for having me, Chris. It was a pleasure.